Well, it is so good to, to have you here. And if we haven't had the chance to, to connect, my name is, is Keith, and I've been blessed to be pastor here. It's hard to believe, man, almost 11 years. And my beard's a little bit whiter, but I was, I was bald when I got here. So, I mean, that hadn't affected me. But, um, but no, I love being able to, to do what I do. And every Sunday, every single Sunday, there's something new and exciting that takes place here. I, I'm, I'm not, like, in... And before, right before our 8 o'clock service, it was pouring. And I walked out to check on our, our incredible guest services team. They were at the doors. And so I'm standing outside. And all of a sudden, I see a couple walk out in the rain in front of the, the, the flag and the, the memorial monument that's there in the front. And the, and, and the guy gets down on his knee. And he proposed to a lady right here this morning. And I heard her say yes. And I'm like, man, it's going to be a good day. Here we go. So, so, if you're looking for that special someone, I'm here to tell you, we got you covered. Oh, man, there's so many great things that are happening. I hope you're already enjoying, uh, enjoying the, the beginning of the summer. I know I am, and I'm enjoying the series that we're, that we're in. Uh, last week, we kicked this off. It's called Meals with Jesus, and today, I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 14, and... I'm also going to be referencing John chapter 6. They're both referencing the same account, but, but I'm going to begin our reading in Matthew 14 here in just a minute uh, to make sure that, that you have some context here, that this, this account is taking place at the end of the second year of Jesus' ministry. In fact, Jesus has had two public years of ministry, and, and it's interesting because you guys ever hear of a social media influencer? Okay, like you can make a lot of money apparently being a social media influencer. I need to get into that somehow. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I talk about Thailand Express a lot. Maybe that, I don't know if that'll help, but, uh, but no, like a social media influencer, they, like they, they actually monetize their social media accounts. Like when you just talk about things, you get, you know, you, you get people to uh, check, click on links. And so everything about a social media influencer has everything to do with likes and comments and clicks and all that sort of thing. You want to reach as many people as possible. And so one of the things that is, is great is it's always good to have somebody that, that you can connect with. If you can get a shout out or a plug from some celebrity, that's a huge thing. What's well, funny because when you look at Jesus' first two years of ministry, he was anything but a social media influencer. I mean, he did great, great miracles, but he didn't do them on the big stage. In fact, over in John, his brothers try to get him to go to the festival, and they might, be a, they might have been being a little sarcastic, but their point was, was this— why don't you go to the, if, you know, if you are really who you say you are, why don't you perform your, your miracles on the big stage? And, and he, he refused to do that because Jesus did most of his miracles on the Galilean, the backside of Galilean. He, was, he wasn't looking for endorsements. He wasn't looking for likes necessarily. He just spoke the truth, though he did so with, with love and grace. And, and we know that his mission was, was not to... to not to become a celebrity. His mission, we looked at last week, was to seek and save the lost. That's why he shows up. And so as he's doing these great signs, though, it's, it's in the back country. Word is getting around. And, and, and the religious people, they're not really thrilled about this. In fact, there's a rising religious hostility. There's a pushback. In fact, as, as he's healing people, they, they, they don't like this. They, they, start, they start accusing him of blasphemy because... Because 
He forgives sins. They write him off because he eats with tax collectors and sinners. They are frustrated with him and, and, and they, they add, they're, they're calling on him, putting him on the spot saying, you need to rebuke your disciples because they ate grain on the Sabbath. And then what really set him over the edge in Matthew 12, we see that the Pharisees began to conspire to kill him because he dared heal on the Sabbath, the nerve. And so you're like, well, all right, what's Jesus going to do? Is he going to fight? No. Matthew 12, 15 says that Jesus, being aware of this, withdrew from there. It wasn't time. He withdrew from there. And so we, we, we see a rising religious hostility against Christ, but, but as word's getting out, there's a rising political hostility. Things are getting a little uh, unsafe. John the Baptist, the cousin of, of, of Jesus, the one who went before him, has, has recently been beheaded by Herod. This is not the same Herod that was on the throne when Jesus was born, but another Herod in the line. He beheads John because John called out his sin and because he felt the pressure from his wife, who was also part of his, his sin. And so it says early on in Matthew 14 that, that when Herod hears of what Jesus is doing, he desires to meet him. And he said to his servants, he says, this is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. These are why these miraculous powers are, are being done by him. And so he's desiring to see Jesus. And what do we read here in Matthew 14? We pick up our reading in verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, what did he do? He did the same thing he did in chapter 12. He withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself, which is kind of hard to do because in Galilee, um, it's only an area, it's 50 miles by 25 miles, not a, not a lot of space there. There are 204 different villages that are there. There's a lot of humanity here, and, and, but he does find this spot to get away. He goes there by boat privately, and I don't think that he got away because he was scared necessarily of Herod. I, I, I think the reason he, he got away was the reason why we need to get away at times. He needed to spend time with the Father, and we see this happening several places throughout Scripture where he would get away for refreshment, for rest, for, for time with his Father to pray. So he takes his disciples with him, and, and, and he gets away, and maybe he's still even processing the death of, of, of John the Baptist, his cousin. But what you've got to know is that this is a very important time in the life of Christ. There, there's a shift from his public ministry of, of the first two years, and then he's going to shift. He's going to withdraw from the limelight even more, if you will. It's primarily going to be he and his disciples for the last year of his life, There'll be a few things, but he, he's going to, 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 to step away. But he's trying to, to spend time alone, but the crowds would not let him get away. And by the way, I mean, it's like, moms, you get this, right? I mean, come on. You ever been there? I just need five minutes of peace and quiet. That's all. That's all. That's all I just need. Five, Lord, five minutes of peace and quiet you go in the bathroom and you lock the door and you sit on the edge of the bed and you begin to thank the Lord for the peace and quiet of that place. And then you see the fingers underneath the door 
Mom, what are you doing in there? Mom, what are you doing? Okay, listen, you got that in your mind. Okay, so this is Jesus. He's getting away. It says, as we keep reading, the crowds followed him. They followed him on foot from the towns. And, and when he went ashore, he sees a great crowd and he had compassion for them and he healed their sick. And, and this is where I'm going to jump over to John chapter 6 because Jesus is getting ready to perform an incredible miracle. In fact, it's the only miracle that's mentioned in in all four of the Gospels, in in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's getting ready to to do this this, this great miracle. And so when you read the different takes, it's like having four witnesses who are seeing this from four different perspectives. Like if if you have a wreck that takes place and there are five witnesses to the wreck, you you might figure out what happened, but it's going to be five different perspectives. This is what we're reading when we get to the Gospels. And so John John has this this up some details because he's there. He's a disciple. He's on site. And and what what John reveals in in verse 5, it's the same same time, same place. Jesus lifting up his eyes, seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him. He says something to Philip. And here's what he says to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him for he knew, for he himself knew what he would do. Now, now hold on to this. Keep your Bibles open. We're coming back to this. Jesus was, was getting ready to do something big that's going to amaze his people. But he wanted to involve his disciples in the process. And he's going to teach them something. And, and I, I really believe as we dig in today that there's something that we're going to learn from this as well. There, there are a few things that we can learn about Jesus and how, man, he, he handled from the very beginning of this to the very end. We're going, there's something that I think will impact us, but there's a lesson he teaches disciples. And, and so I don't think it's any accident that he turns to Philip. First of all, what we know from Scripture is that Philip is from this region. And so if anybody knew where to find food, you're gonna go, you know, Philip's the guy because he, he, this is his neighborhood. He knows, he knows the place. But, but here's the thing. Jesus isn't just turning to him because of that reason, even though the disciples, other disciples are like, oh, yeah, Philip would be the guy to turn to. No, he's turning to Philip because he wants to teach him a lesson because Philip's probably a little like me and maybe like, I don't know, at least some of you, we're a little slow on the draw. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're a little thick-headed. We've got to... We, We've got to experience something sometimes uh, tangibly to really get this. And so Jesus wants to teach him. And so he's like, uh, Philip, where can we buy food? And so, man, I, I've got this, like, in my mind, I'm imagining, you know, Jesus starts, he's, you know, Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, Mark and Luke say that he begins, in addition to healing, he begins to teach the gospel, the kingdom, and, and all that. And so I, I, I see Philip getting all the disciples, hey, hey, Peter, uh, Simon, guys, get over here, uh, Okay, we got a problem. Jane, pay attention. We got a problem here. All right, Jesus needs some food. And like, you know, Peter's like, are you, are you kidding me right now? Look at, you see how many people? They're like, like there's, five, there's at least 5,000 men. I, you know, when I look at everything, there's at least 10,000 people here. It might be, it's about to be 15,000. I don't know, we got to come up with something. So they're racking their brains. And uh, Judas, how much money do we have in the treasury? And uh, Judas is like, uh, I don't know, uh, it looks like we have 200, uh, 200 denarii. And they're like, 200 denarii? Well, I mean, that sounds like a lot because that's 200 days wages. But, but, but here's the thing. Like, we're going to blow it in one place. There is no way. So they're, they're huddled together trying to figure this out. How are we going to feed these people? There are no resources. So Philip comes back to Jesus. and He's like, okay, so, so here's the deal. Uh, got some problems. Number one, we don't have any food. 
Number two, we don't have enough money to buy the food. And so listen, the disciples spend the whole day trying to figure this out. Here is, here's what they come up with. Okay, so we're going to go back to Matthew 14. Here's the plan they come up with. Jesus said, where are we going to find food? The disciples spent all the time on this. Here's what they come up with. Verse 15. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. That's why Jesus went there to get away. The day is now over. Here's their solution. Send the people away. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Like, man, these, these people didn't even come prepared. Like, why do we have to feed everybody? Why do we have to feed everybody? Sin, just let them, let them figure it out for themselves. And I love man, Jesus is like, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And like, are you kidding? Dude, I like, get frustrated. Okay, we've already told you our problem. We don't have money. We don't have food. We don't have, there's nowhere close enough. To, this is a desolate place. It's on them. And Jesus said, no, you give them something to eat. I almost hear Andrew. I, it's almost sarcastic. Like, well, all we've got, we've got... Five barley loaves, two fish. And, and so, so here's the deal. Bar, the, the barley loaves they had, barley was what the poor people ate. Like, I mean, this is like uh, well, uh, bologna sandwiches, man. This is like, okay, when you, when you hear the, the, the barley, like the barley was, was, was the cheapest of the, the grain. And, and the, usually the fish would be pickled and they would use it like a relish and they would, they would spread it on the, on the, on the bread. And that's, that's what they would eat. And, and, and so Andrew's like sarcastic, like, yeah, there's a kid here. He's got, he's the only one that came prepared. He's got, we got five loaves and two fish. And like inside, he's like, surely he's going to send them away. He's like, yeah, no, let me, let me, uh, let me take, let me take what you have. Jesus says. Now I want you to catch something, okay? Contextually, this is really interesting to me. So studying this, I'm trying to figure out timing and all what's going on here. Here's what I want you to get: these twelve disciples had just returned from a missions trip. How many of you have ever been on a missions trip before? Let me see your hand. Ever been on a missions trip? Remember when you got back from a missions trip? You were fired up. Like you were ready to start churches. You were ready. Man, you're going around just laying hands on people, praying for people. I mean, you were fired up because missions, like when our kids get back from Broken Arrow, we, we normally have some sort of service where they can, they can talk about what they've seen, what they've experienced and, and all. And, and it's awesome. The kids are going to be transformed because normally we go on a short-term missions trip praying that God would use us. But it's, it's so awesome how God usually transforms us. We come back and we see what God can do. They had just come back. Now, here's what you got to know. They had seen some pretty incredible things. Before Jesus sent them out two by two to go to different towns, these 204 different towns in this in the Galilean area, he gave them all authority to cast out, cast out demons and to heal all diseases. Dude, they're on fire. They've come back. They've seen people healed. They, they've seen demons cast out. I mean, that's when you're like, God can do anything. Like they know it. They've, they've had a front row seat. They, they come back, man. They, they've had their mission team just celebrating, high-fiving what God can do. And yet, in this situation, they're faced with a food shortage. And they're like, send them away. Send them away. We've got no bread. I wonder how many times that we, we believe that God can do anything. 
We've seen God do amazing things. But you know, it's interesting. Many times we categorize the great things and the small things. The great things we take to God. The, 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 the cancer cases and, the, and, and those that are, that are about ready to die and, and, and crises. But when it comes to, 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 to the smaller things, like, well, you know what? That's probably a little, too, that's, that's beneath God. I'm going to figure that out myself. And we stress and we come up with this whole thing. Ah, just send them away. Did you know that our God is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or we can even imagine, including when it comes to food? And Jesus says, no, this send them away, that is not optional. He says, bring them here to me. So, so Jesus orders the crowds to sit down, verse 19, on the grass. He takes the five loaves and the two fish. He's like, we're going to start here. He looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples I love this. And the disciples, he said, you give them something to eat. The disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate. So, okay, there's 5,000 men. We know there are 5,000 men. So this is, it's Passover season. A lot of people are on their way to Jerusalem. There's a lot of pilgrims that would have been coming through this, through this area. You have all these people that showed up. If there's 5,000 men, there at minimum, there's 10,000 when you count the women and children, if not, probably closer to 20,000 people here. And so what we're reading here, they went to, uh, to Golden Corral here, but we got a buffet going on. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples who, by the way, had not come prepared either, they didn't come with food. They took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Help yourselves. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. All these people fed from five pieces of barley and two pickle fish. Okay, so I want you to, man, put ourselves in, the, in, this, in this account. Can you imagine the disciples huddling up and like, can you believe what just went down? Over the 24 hours, from the example of Christ, from the words of Christ, from the actions of Christ, they learned there's at least five things that I think they could have, they could have stood out to them. Five things that they learn and what we know from history they would put into practice later on. But I think there are five lessons, not just for the disciples, I think there are five lessons that we, in 2022, June 12, 2022, on a rainy Sunday morning, we can learn as well. The first thing is this. Faith is not necessarily synonymous with recklessness. You're like, oh, where'd that come from? Jesus withdrew. And, and Jesus is described by words that we don't, that aren't attractive to people in the 21st century. Meek, mild, gentle. Anybody getting fired up by that? Isn't that what everybody, isn't that great? It's like, that's what we want to be on social media. Meek, mild, lying. Um, Jesus described himself, he said, I'm gentle, gentle and lowly of heart. Paul, describing Jesus in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, describes him as meek and gentle. Philippians 2 describes Jesus as one who emptied himself, who laid aside all of his rights and came to serve. Isaiah describes him as one who, who did not open his mouth even in the face of oppression and affliction. And we read Matthew writes how that was fulfilled when he appeared before Pilate. And I'm going to be honest, I, I, I wrestle with that on, 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 a, on a 
natural thing because of the way I'm wired. I know not everybody's wired the same way, okay? I get that. But I, I like adrenaline. I do. I just like, like, I, if I go to a theme park, I want to know what the craziest ride is because I'm going to do it. Well, I used to be that way. I, like, if it goes around anymore, I can't do that. But I like to drive fast. I like to jump out of planes. I, I like, I, I, there's just this part, I enjoy that. I, I'm, I love competitive sports. I love the fun of talking smack, which is about all I can do anymore. Can't really do it. But, but I, I just, I love, I love competition. I'm just wired. Though. I know not everybody's that way. It just happens to be the way I am. And so like, even when I was a kid, like, I was always looking for the next game. I was always looking for the next, for, for the next competition. And what I found, you know, that I, the way I'm wired is maybe the way some, some of you are wired. There are some times that we're actually always looking for the next fight. And sometimes we have equated fighting in the name of Christ with Christ's likeness. But Jesus was never reckless. He was always faithful. Jesus knew when to open his mouth and when to close it. And the disciples were able to see the difference because what they knew about Jesus was he was anything but timid. He was bold. He was courageous. He said things not everybody liked, but he also knew when to pull away. There are times we have romanticized suffering and we've become we, we have become reckless and careless, and we've actually started fights. And then when, when there's a response, we've said we're being persecuted. Now, perse- religious persecution is a very real thing. We have brothers and sisters that are being faced with religious persecution. In fact, I, I think that, it, that there are times it does happen here in the U.S., okay? So I'm not, I'm not discounting that. There's a difference, though, between that and us romanticizing just because we have this adrenaline and we like a fight. Jesus doesn't, doesn't, always, doesn't always ask us to do this. And there, there's times that we equate recklessness with faith, and that's not always, they're not always the same thing. Jesus, Jesus trusted God's timing. He trusted what God was about. He was a person who, whose message at times was offensive, but he himself was meek, mild, and gentle. And I'll tell you, there's something we can learn from this. And, I, and if, you want, if you read throughout the, through Acts and, and what we know from church history, the disciples did learn from this. But not only did they, did they learn this, they, they, also, they also learned something, something that I think is important. A healthy life includes rest and renewal. And you're like, oh man, I thought we were going to focus on the miracles. Yeah, well, this is, there's, a, there's a work that precedes the miracle. You know, it's interesting, the, the, the one thing, church, that, that, that we have begun to glorify, and I would even say we, we, we raised to a pedestal, and it's almost this, this thing, I want to burn out for Jesus. I don't see Jesus asking us to burn out for him. I, I see him asking us to work for him. We're called to labor. There, there is something he's called us to do. Burnout? Usually burnout happens because we, we've actually driven right over this, this Sabbath, this idea of Sabbath, of a, of, a, of a time in which we rest and we unplug and we spend time with the Father. If Jesus, the Son of God, had to spend time with the Father, don't you think we should? I know that I need this. And can I tell you right now that, that this is hard for me? 
In fact, Lori and I are uh, our anniversary is coming up, and we're we're going to be getting away. And 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 it's 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 this crazy thing that I'm always I'm always wired. You know, it's like man, I've I've always got to be doing this. And it's 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 a stupid thing because here's the thing. Jesus didn't ask me to win the day. He just asked me to be the veil. He's going he's gonna to work through me. But for me to be, in, to, to be in a healthy place, there are times I need to get away with the Father. And there's a lot of times we don't do this, and, and yet Jesus modeled this. This is important. We, we, if, if anybody asks the question, man, how are things going? The immediate response is, oh, man, things have been crazy around here. I'll tell you what. It's like we have to justify our existence with everything that we've done. Yeah, man, work's been crazy. have been you know, putting in 14, 15, 16 hours. Listen, there are times you've got to do that. I've done that too. But when it comes to that we, we take pride in this, or that, on the other hand, when they tell us, oh, yeah, man, that's good, and we're, we're impressed by this, that's, that's, that's a terrible thing. What happens is what, we, we become on, the, we get on this, this nonstop treadmill of, of doing even good things, but we do it in our own strength. And can I tell you, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to get away. There is something, you know, Jesus, Jesus said to, to the, the Pharisees who were criticizing his, his disciples for, for eating grain on the Sabbath. He, he, he did say, man was not created for the Sabbath. Sabbath was created for man. Why was Sabbath created for man? I mean, after God created everything, why did he rest? Was it because God was like, whew, man, that took it out of me. Wow. Whew. No. He was setting us an example. He knows what we need. And Jesus modeled this quite well. In fact, we've started something here over the last, what is it, Will, two years? Something like that. We call them resets. Um, guys do it. Women do it. We, we have different things. We do, I think this year we're doing 20 or more uh, different resets. We just get up into the mountains, 12 people or so, 12, 14 people. And you got to unplug your phone, turn it off. Oh, but man, I got to be in contact. What if my kids need me? And leave them with somebody that can watch out for them. And for 24, 36 hours, pray. Spend time with each other. Talk about the things of God. Pray for each other. Get alone in solitude. And it is very rare. I, I, in fact, I can't even think of the time that I've talked to someone that came back from reset and said that was a horrible waste of time. Almost always when somebody comes back, they're absolutely transformed because they got away and spent time with the Father. Jesus modeled this. But then, getting into the, the miracle, the disciples are kind of man, what, what do we learn from, from what we've seen over the last little bit? They found out that Jesus cares about souls but he also cares about bodies. He also cares about bodies. When we read that Jesus had compassion on the crowds, you got to understand something. He, he, he was having compassion on people, not because these were just, man, the, the, the cream of the crop. Now, the people that were coming to him with their different diseases or, or the di- whatever, they had all different motivations. Some of them were just thrill seekers. They wanted to see, they wanted to see a miracle. Like, they had, they had FOMO. You know what FOMO is, right? Fear of missing out. Like, man, if something big's going to go down, I want to be there. I want to be there. Got to be there. And so they're just showing up, man. They, they want to see, they, they, they want to be where the party is. It's like going up to fireworks display, like something big's going to happen. Let's be there. Get a good, get, get a good seat. They weren't showing, Jesus didn't have compassion on them for their righteousness. Jesus had compassion on them for their lostness. 
Here's the deal, man. If you keep, if you read through the end of John chapter six, the crowds in less than 24 hours, once he was done feeding them, they left him. Once he was done with the miracles, they left. In fact, he turned and he, man, he said some really hard things. And they, 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 didn't, they didn't like what he had to say. They turned around and left. In fact, he turned to his, to his 12 and he said, are you going to leave me too? I love Peter's response. He said, to, to whom would we go? No, when the crowds came to Jesus and we read that he had compassion upon them, that he cared upon them, it was, it was just because he valued them. They're, they're people created in the image of God. I wish we could grasp this church. The neighbor that right now you guys are fighting over your fence is someone created in the image of God. The, 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 the cook that screwed up your order at the restaurant is someone created in the image of God. If we could grasp this whole idea that, that God loves people, not just for what they do, but because of the fact simply he created them, that's a powerful thought. A powerful thought. Jesus saw the need, his heart was moved with compassion, and he began to heal. What's the implication of this? You know what the implication is, is, is for, for us? We can come to God with the big things, but can I tell you that God cares about even the small things? Did you know that, that God cares and he has shown his care. He's made a way for you to be saved. He cares about your eternal destiny. He, he, he cares. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's scripture. That's John 3, 16. He cares about that. But can I tell you that he also cares about the fact that your kids did something stupid this week you're embarrassed and you're humili humiliated and you don't know what to do about it. He cares about that. Did you know that, 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 that he cares about the fact that, that you lost a job and you were wronged and it hurts and you don't know where, you're, where the money's going to come from and you're afraid of, that you're going to lose a house because of stupid market and all that sort of thing? Did you know he cares about that? Did you know that, 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 that he cares about man, that, that weird pain, that chest pain that you've been having and you don't know what to do with that? And, and so you're, you're going to go into the doctor, but, but, but you, you started, your mind's starting to race and you're starting to think the worst about stuff. Did you know that, that he cares? Literally, what, man, I love this. You know, when, when Peter, who is there when this happened, when he, when he wrote in 1 Peter 5, 6, he said, humble yourself on the mighty hand of God and, and, and he will exalt you in his time, that sort of thing. But he says, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. Did you know he wrote that for us? He cares. In fact, we're going to do something here at the end of the service, just a few minutes. I'm, I'm going to invite anyone there. We're, we're going to pray, prayer dismissal. If you need to go, uh, man, totally understand. But I'm going to invite anybody that has any need whatsoever to come forward. We've got a whole bunch of people. We're just going to pray. If, man, if you want to be saved, you know, repent of your sins, we have, we'll, we'll pray to you. But if you're going to pray about chest pain, 
If you're going to pray about a job situation, you've started a new business, you're praying for God's blessing, you're praying for your kids, you're praying for a situation, or there's a conundrum, you don't know where to go, we're just going to pray because what I love is that Jesus cares about all. His heart was moved with compassion because he cared. Man, what an awesome lesson for the guys to walk away with. Are you kidding me? This is what Peter's like, man, where else would we go? We have all we need right here. But the last two things, and I'm going to hurry to a close here, that I think, I think are really, really important that the disciples would, would have, have walked away with, like, are you kidding me? But I, I think it's good for us to know here today as well. Begin with what you have and trust God to provide the rest. Begin with what you have and trust God to provide the rest. When they came to Jesus and they're like, we have five pieces of bread and two fish, and there's 20,000 people out here. What'd Jesus say? Go ahead, feed them. Like, we can't. We can't do this. What I love is that God didn't miraculously rain down fish from the sky, bread from the heavens, in this particular case, God started with what they had. And why is, this, why is this important? I think it's because many times we, and I, I want to use this term the right way, uh, we, we despise the small things. If it's not big, if we don't have that talent or we don't have that gift or we don't have that amount of money or we don't have the time or what, whatever it happens to be, well, it's like, well, God, you're going to have to do a miracle here. Well, listen, yeah, God can do the miracle. But many times he's going to start with the little that you have, and he'll provide the rest. What I love is that, that Jesus did the miracle, but didn't leave his disciples out of, the, uh, uh, of performing this miracle. He started with what they had in their hands. And, and, and listen, this might be here for somebody. You've made all the excuses. Over the last few weeks, it's just weird how God has kind of directed uh, the messages. Um, it has not been intentional, but, but, but it's just this outward focus on what does it look like to, to serve our city? What does it look like to be a holy presence in the place in which he's placed us? And maybe over the last few weeks, you've been wrestling with that, and you've probably just been trying to come up with a reason why you're excused from that. Here's the thing. We all have different time. Listen, as, as, if you're a parent with small kids, trust me, get it. You don't have capacity like some people do but you have something to offer. It's like, well, man, I can't do what I used to do. I get it. You don't, your health isn't what it used to be. You, you, you're not as mo- mobile as you used to be. You still have something to offer. What I love is that Jesus began with what the disciples had, and he provided the rest. And I end with this last lesson that really, I think, builds, builds on this. God will often do the miracle through his people. Because that, that's what really stood out to me as I, as I was reading that this, this week. Jesus took the five loaves, the, the two fish. He looked up to heaven. He said, he said a blessing over them. Then he broke, the, he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Okay, so catch this. He blessed it, broke the bread in half, 
and he put it in the disciples' hands. Okay, let's just put ourselves there, okay? Like, you know, I, I just like picking on Peter. Let's just say Peter you know, is like, all right, here we go. So he breaks the bread. He's like, oh, this is going to be bad. Jesus is like, no, go, go feed the people. Okay, take a small piece. <laughs> he goes all the, all the way down the list, man. He's, he's all the way down the first row. He's like, oh, this is stupid. This, and, and it's like, he gets to the end of the row and like, are you kidding me right now? I don't know why. We got some miracle bread here. And, and, and like, like, it doesn't stop. And by the time he gets to the end, he's like, take as much as you want. This is unbelievable. Don't miss this. Jesus Bless the bread and he broke it, but the miracle happened in the hands of the disciples. It's interesting. The disciples stood between Jesus and the people. And can I tell you, I think there's a lesson here for every generation. Even today, we as God's people, we stand between he and the, and the people. And many times he's handing out bread. Our, our, my, my question is, do we pass on the bread or do we just eat it ourselves? I think I, I, several years ago, we had a, uh, had a missionary here, and he said something to me. This was literally my, my first year here as pastor. He said something I have never forgot. He said, we have way too many spiritually obese people here in the U.S. And I'm like, what? That's, I like the term, but I'm like, what, what do you mean? He said, we have people that are, that are given bread every week, but they eat it themselves and they never hand it out. And I'm like, man, what a powerful thing. You see, the miracle happened when, when they just began to hand out the bread. They, they, they started with what they had. They, they, they trusted God to provide the rest. They were in a place of, of obedience. Jesus performed the miracle, but he did it in the hands of his disciples. And church, I'm convinced in 2022 that he is still doing many great things. He's doing his work through his people. It doesn't have to be a huge miracle of feeding the 20,000. Like, I'm going to tell you right now, I've prayed the prayer, like multiply the, the fish and the loaves at church potlucks before. I'm like, dude, there are like four casseroles that came in and 72 bags of Doritos. We are in trouble, right? But I'm, I'm, here, I'm here to tell you that in a very real way, though, God is doing his work through his people. What if, what if God would do that through you? What if the opportunity that you had, the conversation that you had with your neighbor, what if God could do that through you? What if? I don't know. I, I'm not here to tell. I just know that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly of all we ask or think. And what we see here is a God who teaches us there's a time and a place for discretion. There's a time and a place to get away with the Father. There's a time and a place, though, to put our trust in a God who cares about all things. There's a, there's a time and a place for us to begin with what we have, but we come to the Father first. There's a time and a place for us to make ourselves available and what God can do in us and through us, thanks to his power, thanks to the Spirit's power, is far greater than what we can do ourselves. The question is, will I be available? And God, I don't know what this looks like as we close this service for each person that's here. I don't know the dynamics of friendships and relationships and neighborhoods and, and friends and all this. I, I, don't, I don't know that, but you do. I don't know the, the things that we wrestle with. In fact, God, I probably, probably we have several people here that have been spending a lot of time wrestling with, trying to come up with a solution for something that they 
can't control and that they don't know how to bring it about. God, the only thing that I, I know is that you are still a God who cares about your people. You're still a God who cares about those who are far from you. You're still a God who is using your men and women to accomplish your purposes in this generation. And so God, I'm praying that, that yes, we would be those who pass on bread. I pray that we would preach the, the, the good news of the kingdom. But God, even more than that, but, but, but along with that, dear God, I pray that we would be those people who live this in a very relational way and we just don't, don't, don't give a message. We offer bread. And so God, here in just a, a, a few seconds as I close the service, you know the people are going to come forward to pray, whether it's one person or 15 people or 40 people. I don't know. God, you, you know what we're going to be praying about. And God, I'm, I'm already asking that you begin to do a work in us and through us. And at the day, I pray that what we've heard today would impact us. And Father, we would trust a God who is able to do the impossible. So God, for what we've learned from this meal with Jesus, we thank you. And for what you're going to do through your church as we go and be the church where you've placed us. We'll thank you for this. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. You're dismissed. If you want to come forward with prayer, just come on down to the front. We'll be here. We'll stay as long as we need to. You're dismissed.